industries of recent innovation. Music's been alive thriving since cavemen. Folk songs so long have had a place in communities that you should be amazed at it. Then one day came intellectual property, meaning if I think a thought, you can't copy me. And if honesty's the best policy, I'd say songs are better off without this monopoly. It'd blatantly be a major fail if they patented the major scale. And downloads don't equate to sales, so taking them away won't make you pay up. Just precludes me from sending your tunes to my friends, so we all lose. Hello, and welcome to the Tech Turt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. A few weeks back, we did a two-parter on patents, and with a bunch of people suggesting a companion piece on copyrights, that's what we're going to try and do this week and next week as well. If you're a TechDirt regular, you know that copyright is a topic of great interest on the site uh, for a variety of reasons, and perhaps the biggest of all is that we've seen how frequently copyright law has been abused in order to stifle speech and innovation, and that personally worries me quite a bit. Uh, but one thing that always comes up whenever we dive into these discussions is how widely misunderstood most people are about copyright, and what it's for, and what it actually does. In just the last month or so, we've had some crazy stories on TechDirt about an attempt to demand licensing fees from news organizations over a video of a police officer in South Carolina shooting an unarmed man, a woman in California claiming that anyone making a periodic table of HTML5 elements has to credit her, uh, her very different version, uh, or have their versions taken down, and some comic artists claiming that the fact that Iron Man wears a full-body armor suit infringes on their copyright of a different character wearing a full-body armor suit. All of these stories are obviously ridiculous to those with any experience in copyright law, but what's somewhat shocking is that we've seen some people step up and try and defend all of them, always using some faulty understandings of what copyright is really about. Uh, our podca podcast co-host, Hirsch Reddy, after getting engaged in an argument with someone about one of these stories on Facebook, suggested that we need to do a Copyright 101 podcast explaining copyright's basics, but I thought it might be more fun to uh, focus on common misconceptions around copyright, and to do so, uh, bring in a special guest. So today, along with our usual co-hosts of Hirsch Reddy and Dennis Yang, we have Parker Higgins, an activist at the Electronic Frontier Foundation and a regular commenter on copyright issues. So to kick it off, let's talk about some common misconceptions that there are with copyright law. And I'll start it off with my favorite, and that's the idea that, well, someone must own it. And from there, I'll toss it over to our guest of honor, Parker, to lead off with a personal favorite misconception, if you have one. Um, oh, let's see. I was, <laughs> I was all ready to, to, to get fired up about the monkey selfie, and someone must own it. You can do that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like, so um, I'm, I'm a big fan of fair use, um, and I have always thought it's funny how uh, I think the, the, the test for fair use, it's, you know, it's, it's, you have to apply something, but it's not that hard to understand how the four factors work, but people so want, so desperately want there to be bright line tests. Yeah. And so it will be, no, no, no. If it's, if it's under three notes or if it's, you know, 30 <laughs> less seconds. than 20 seconds. Yeah. Right, right. And, 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 uh, and sometimes you go, no, no. I mean, you can look, it's not even, it's not just common law anymore. It's, it's statutory. We've got these four factors and they go, no, no, no. But if it's in a commercial, right. it can't be <laughs> right. fair use. Right. Yeah. The, I think that's a good one. The fact that, that many people assume that if it, if there's any commercial element to it whatsoever, that there can't be fair use. And that's, yeah. 
so so just to clarify, like what what are those four the four factors? If you know, like I'm I'm not in exactly familiar with. Well, so so they're they're laid out in mm -hmm. the statute. Uh, it's section 107, and it's uh, I, without without doing like the full sure. on yeah. master class, but <laughs> um, purpose and character, of the use. Right. Uh, I have to make sure I've got these in the right order. <laughs> uh, the order doesn't matter. Amount and substantiality okay. of the portion used, uh, nature of the copyrighted work, and uh, and a potential um, effect on the market. And so these are, and okay. you, you know, it's it's. Sure, it's four things to keep in your head, and I don't expect everyone to be able to do this, but knowing that there's, okay, there's a test we apply right. is different from saying... Right, and and also just to be clear, because this is another thing that people do get confused about, right, is the, the, the law is that judges have to um, apply those four things and look at them, but that's not all. They can apply other tests, and they can basically make up their own tests on top of that, and also it's not a pure... You know, if you get three out of the four, you have right. fair use. They can you can weight the different factors differently, and in fact, judges will often do that. Yeah, there are, there are cases where it's where you've got one factor in favor of fair use, and they go, yeah, but it's one it's one really important factor. So, so I feel like we've already gone off the sort of into the deep end of the pool with this very <laughs> nuanced technical stuff about copyright. I want to bring it back a few steps. Sure. I think to just let me just talk a little bit about like what is copyright versus things like trademark. Or even patents for things, like okay. for example, right? So, like, yeah. did you want to say something about that? Well, I was just gonna. I mean, so so let's go back to to the very basics, which mm -hmm. is the Constitution, right? So, mm -hmm. so copyright and patents come from the Constitution. Trademarks don't, right? Right. So, copyrights and patents are, what is it? Section Article eight? One, Section Article Eight, one, clause section eight. eight. <laughs> yes, Clause Eight. There's two eights in there. One eight eight. Yeah. And it is to promote the progress of science and the useful arts. Um, I forget something about, you know, grant to artists and... Well, I think people something. get the gist right. of it. But it's to promote... It's to encourage people to do things, right. useful, creative things. Yeah. Right. To, and, and, and technically, if you go back to the Constitution, you want to go really back to sort of first principles. Um, and people get this mixed up because it's science and the useful arts, right? And people assume that copyrights for useful arts and patents is for science, and they actually have it backwards. Originally, mm -hmm. the um, uh, the useful arts um, part was really for patents, and that was for inventions and technologies, and science was what copyright was about. And science at that time meaning basically the same thing as education or learning. Mm -hmm. So. Technically speaking, if we go all the way back and just look at the Constitution, you would say copyright is supposed to be to encourage education and learning. Um, we've gotten very, very far from that, right? Yeah. And it's, it's useful to also talk about trademark. Trademark originated from sort of common law ways of protecting um, of, uh, the source or marks on goods so people would know which right. merchant a particular banana came from or a wheel of cheese, for right. example. And, and I always like to say, and some people disagree with this, but I like to say that the, the difference with trademark law is trademark law, even though everyone likes to lump the three of those together, trademark law is really a consumer protection kind of statute, exactly. right? So mm -hmm. it's you don't buy something thinking that it's Coca-Cola when it's really Hershey's Cola yeah. and you put you know something yeah. bad in it. The right? other way around, <laughs> Hershey's Cola is... Friggin' delicious. <laughs> <laughs> or that. <laughs> um, and, and yet, you know, over time, it's sort of been morphed into this idea that uh, basically because of the, the phrase intellectual property and, mm -hmm. and sort of the, the mindset that that brings up. And, and I think that brings us back to the idea of this podcast itself, or, uh, which is 
um, the misconceptions around copyright. And a lot of it has to do with just this idea that it's property as in the same thing as physical or exactly. tangible property. Well, well, okay, so let's talk about copyright and, and, and patent and trademark, though, just in terms of like just what they're supposed to be, right? Like sure, very okay. briefly. Okay, what is copyright? You get a copyright, you know, when you put something down on paper, when you paint a picture, when you do... You know, anything, you make a sculpture. Anything that you can fix. Anything that you put in, you know, it's literally written in the law into a tangible medium. Mm -hmm. That is something that's created. You don't have to go to someone, you don't have to register it, anything like that. And it's supposed to protect your creative expression. Right. That's what it is. Now, what is it? For a limited time. For a limited time. That's a key part. What is a patent? A patent is a little different. A patent is also for sort of a creative expression in a sense, it's, but it's for an invention. It's for right. a technique of doing something. It's for a specific design. Uh, or, uh, it's for, you know, for example, a, a, a method of um, making a particular chemical, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also get a patent for a mechanical device, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a classic one that everyone's always thinking about. Right. And, and nowadays... And to do that, you have to apply mm-hmm. uh, and go through an application exactly. process. Exactly. So you don't automatically get it, right? right? You got to apply. You go to the U.S. Patent Office and they look at it. And that's also for a limited period of time. Mm-hmm. And the reason there's this heightened burden for patents is because patents are a little bit more powerful than copyrights. Sure. In copyright... What is the key thing that it limits people from doing? The key thing is, I would say at the most basic level, copyright prevents other people from copying verbatim what you've done for the most part. Reproducing. Reproducing what you've done, right? right. Um, Whereas patent, and and also, by the way, there actually has to be, in copyright, when you're bringing a copyright lawsuit, you actually have to show that the person who copied something had access to your stuff and actually copied it. So if there's just similarity without right. access, so for example, let me give you a, a, a classic example. If someone was born in a bank vault and never left it, and there's proof that he was in this bank vault, and he produces a verbatim copy of Michael Jackson's thriller. Now, it's a crazy coincidence, but right. we can prove that he was in the vault and just somehow right. he's... That's he, not copyright. That's no, not right. copyright infringement. It is note by note exactly the same. It doesn't matter. It's not copyright infringement. And that's the thing people... Fail to understand, yeah. I think, a lot. Even courts at times. <laughs> fail to understand yeah. that, right? Well, the reason I think the courts is a little bit more nuanced. Because yeah. of similarity in the real world, because we can't prove that someone lived in a vault, if things are so identical, courts say that that's probably an indication that it was a copy. So, for example, if I produce tomorrow thriller verbatim with the same right. arrangements, everyone in this table is going to be like, Kirsch copying Michael Jackson. He's not good at music. <laughs> and it's just too much of a coincidence. He's so, good at cola, but he's <laughs> yeah. not a music guy. <laughs> right, right. Whereas on patent, you don't have to prove right. that that I, I don't have Mike doesn't have to prove that I copied right, his very specific matter. way of making a chemical. Which he, is he yes. just has to show that there that that there's this threshold similarity between the methods. Right, um, and that's the thing that people don't understand, and that's also the reason why there's a whole examination process with patents. And so that's that's a very sort sort of key thing. And then finally, with trademarks, let's just touch on trademarks very briefly. A trademark, the, even though. People look and they say, okay, I'm going to make this really crazy name for a character. Right. Let's, let's call him Mickey Mouse, right? And I'm going to sell T-shirts with the Mickey Mouse name on it, right? And now it's true. If you, start, if you were the first one to create Mickey Mouse and you started putting Mickey Mouse brand cookies, Mickey Mouse brand T-shirts, all these things, it is true that the courts will protect your right to use Mickey Mouse in those narrow band of things that you have started selling. Mm-hmm. But that word Mickey Mouse, you can't stop someone from making a story about Mickey Mouse that says, I got a Mickey Mouse, the character, in the trademark case. 
you got everything. If you didn't make stories about Mickey Mouse, you know, and they can't stop you. Right. Because Mickey Mouse here is to, so for, let me give you a better example of that. <laughs> I can make a character named Boeing. Uh-huh. All right. And he's, he's Boeing the, the, Boeing oh, okay. the Badger. Okay. Boeing the Badger. Boeing, the, the jet company can't stop me from making Boeing the Badger. I can make Boeing the Badger right. whatever I want. Now, the thing I can't do is make Boeing the Badger jets. And right. sell them because that would be cause confusion. Confusion is the key thing here, right? And the, I, I, I mean, we're going to go yeah. way deep into rabbit right. holes and tangents. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. there are issues of dilution and, yeah, and yeah, all yeah, sorts yeah, of other stuff. But but yes, conceptually that that is. So, so that's a key thing you should ask yeah. when someone says, "Hey, so the next time you come up with a cool character name or something like that, and someone says, "Hey, Mike, you should trademark that," you, know, right. you should be like, "No, because I don't <laughs> plan to sell." Uh, well, and, that, and that's, that's actually a really important point too that you didn't mention, which is that trademark only applies for use in commerce. Exactly. Right. And so, and and the fact that you know these three things, people confuse them all the time. And in fact, a lot of news articles will see will call mm-hmm. copyrights, patents, or trademarks, and they'll go interchangeably back and forth between them and and not recognize the differences. And I think that certainly leads to a lot of the confusion. Exactly. And, and misunderstanding, uh, and people assume that things that are true for patents or trademarks marks mm-hmm. have to also apply for for copyright and things like that exactly um and, and this is one of the reasons also when 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 people are, are when, when advocates get together and say hey copyright has gone too far or patents have gone too far and they explain something where it's like okay this um you know this let's say patent troll has been going around and uh, you know trolling say podcasters mm-hmm. well people think well you know, there must be a control on that as long as the podcasters can prove that they were podcasting from before this guy, uh, you know, or, or, you know, or didn't even know about this guy's podcasting patent, and that means that they're probably safe. That's not true. Right. We, we could be podcasting and never copied anything from that guy's podcasting uh, patent, and we're still liable. And people don't realize, like, think about how unfair that is. We're sitting here. Right. We, ju- we just hooked up some mics, and we start recording, and we think, hey. Shh, yeah. shh, don't tell anyone. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're going to get a suit. No, but you see what I'm saying? Like, you could get yeah. sued by that podcasting patent. No, and, not, not anymore. Well, no. Uh, well, yeah. that one's been thank, invalidated. Thanks to EFF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, Mark. <laughs> but, but you see what I mean? And, and people just don't realize that kind of thing. And if I think if they did a little bit more, they, they would. Yeah. Yeah, but and that but, and that's in the patent context, and we already did two podcasts. Yeah, 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 so let's exactly. get back to copyright. Copy. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, so, so, but so let's talk about. I mean, uh, in in general, beyond just like I mean, we, so we we went deep on sort of the fair use thing, but but what else do you see as sort of common misconceptions around copyright, or or, or what things sort of you know pet peeves that you have personally about it. Um, so an, another big one is is the copyright. I mean, obviously, copyright is a law. It's it's mm-hmm. like it's it's from you know we uh, the government enforces things and and you know we set aside court time, and so uh, when we come up with questions like fairness or or plagiarism or attribution or like well you should yeah. have given me credit, yeah, uh, that is not covered by the law and probably shouldn't. Yeah. Like we don't, yeah. we don't really need, uh, I think that there are, there are really good questions of fairness yeah. and that, uh, we should, you should absolutely call out someone who's, do- who's not doing, so- who's doing something unfair. Or right. Is- but, but these are, yeah. And, and, and this is an important point. And it actually came up in that, that thing with the HTML five periodic table of the elements, mm-hmm. which was, she kept going on about credit. And, and this is one thing that most people really who don't spend any time with copyright get wrong. And they think that credit is a part of it. And, and they think that plagiarism and copyright infringement are the same things when they're not. Totally right? different. 
Uh, no, I mean, I mean, they you can could, they can overlap. They can overlap. But then they can also not. They can not in both directions. <laughs> exactly. You can have plagiarism that's not copyright infringement. You can have copyright infringement that isn't plagiarism. So it's I mean, so yeah. There's yep. But it's, I think it's worth mentioning with the credit thing. If you have the copyright on something, you can make a the condition for you to give a license to a third party. The requirement that that third party acknowledge you and the people do that like you can yeah. make you can make any condition no exactly right. i mean, I mean, that's, I mean licenses, licenses, no, right, yeah. but only with the copyright do you have that leverage to do it so the really the question is do we want to give people credit so badly that we want this burden of the copyright law to force them to give the credit and that's really kind of like for example with a with an mit license or you know or most of these Cre open source creative commons license yeah. uh, you know exactly. often uses uh, attribution as a as condition. a condition for, you know, in fact, most Creative mm -hmm. Commons license have a, yeah, the attribution element. Mm -hmm. um, and that leads to some interesting discussions about, you know, whether or not you need that and, and do you need copyright well, law. Well, think so. about this. If there was no copyright law, mm -hmm. there would be no requirement for a license. There would be no way to yes. coerce any kind of... Um, well, that's not actually so, ex so, except for social norms, and that's what I mean right. about the law. That yeah. that do we need a legal way to coerce? This? No, exactly. Right. And I, I think, think social norms are probably enough. Because right? social norms, especially today, when everyone has a voice and and yeah. we have you know social media and the ability to speak out, you know, when someone does something that is generally perceived of as unfair or mm -hmm. bad then you know the public can speak out on it and so when somebody copies somebody else without attribution often that will come back to haunt them mm. not because of the law but because of social pressure right i, I think that's very much sort of a it, it could be an american value i'm not quite sure and, and that, it's worth but, pointing out too yeah. that that other copyright laws in other countries treat this differently right so they have moral rights especially in france yeah. where um it, where attribution is actually a key part of the copyright law. And in fact, technically, you could argue that U.S. copyright law is supposed to have that because of the Berne Convention and we're under international mm -hmm. agreements. And so we do, but only for a very, very limited mm -hmm. spectrum of, of creative works. I, I can't remember, but isn't it true, like the French copyright law, if you're an artist and you make a painting, you can prevent people from modifying the painting or something Yeah, that's like part that? of the moral yeah. rights. Yeah. I don't, yeah. uh, we, you can, you can kind of do that in the, in the U.S. under 106A. So it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's I, I like doing this copyright 101 thing, um, but every every corner is yeah. there's a monster looking around it where you could dive really <laughs> deep into. Yeah. That's fine. We can we can we can do a surface dive. <laughs> but yeah, there are examples of of people uh, like you know a, a sculpture is put on the wrong pedestal and the artist doesn't like it, and so even though they sold the sculpture, they've been able mm. to block that uh, that display. display of it. Yeah. It, this is in France, though. Yeah, that, no, that's, a, that's that a French US. case. But there, there, there are... Uh, so um, the uh, American equivalent law is new, and as far as I can tell, there's never been an application of it that like just straight up makes sense. It's always been weird. <laughs> Every single one's been weird. Um, but the same sort of thing is, is, is possible under the law. Which I mean, is what, strange. What, like, what are we trying to protect in the in that case, in terms of the French, or like, what is that, that new? That's a. I, I think for many people, that's protecting a sense of fairness, a sense of right. so uh, to uh, a, a very broad and oversimplified mm -hmm. distinction is that American law uh, creates this right. It says, okay, in order to get progress, we'll we'll invent a right where you get you you uh, can make exclusive you have the exclusive right to make copies. And in Europe, they say, no, we recognize the right. Human right. beings, when they create something, have mm -hmm. these rights to, for example, 
uh, you know, have their art displayed in the way they want it. And so right. French law recognizes that. And so you have this weirdness where these two systems, like, there are places where they overlap, but in a lot of ways, that distinction is a really important one. Is it, and it's a, it's a really big one. And, and so now some people react to that emotionally, and this is where some of the misconceptions come in and the things that we see. They, they react to sort of the French way of looking at it as sort of the natural right situation as being the, you know, completely obvious and that makes sense. Um, and they often don't think of the consequences of it. So do you want to sort of dive into why, how that can be problematic? <laughs> well, sure. So uh, a, a thing that makes this weird as a, as a natural right is that it lasts uh, basically everywhere in the world after your death. Okay, that kind of makes sense that, that your kids, like, like I, can, I can follow you there. But it's strange to say that like uh, after a certain fixed amount of time, mm -hmm you don't have this right anymore. There are not a lot of natural rights that, uh, that, that apply that way. Right. Yeah, and so, and if you don't have that, and, and there are some, you know, there's some speculation that the way that the law, that, you, that there could be cases that say the moral right never goes away, then you have like, a, can, can the, you know, children's 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 children of, of someone related to right. Shakespeare. Or Marvin Gaye. <laughs> well, that's a little more, <laughs> uh, but, but, but yeah, or Shakespeare or Beethoven or right. whomever, um, affect the way that that can be performed. Right. So, so could you, not even that, right. I mean, could you stop West Side Story, right? Could, could the, the, you know, yeah, great, 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 great grandchildren right. I mean, of Shakespeare say you can't do West Side Story. So I think, so I think that's, that's a point of kind of big confusion. Like what's the difference between copying or being kind of influenced or inspired by like, I mean, West Side Story is not word for word. You know, Shakespeare. Well, that's, that, that's like, a pretty that interesting work? question. There's a, they, the, the courts uh, are supposed to do sort of a, uh, an analysis of the structure right. of, of a narrative. I mean, there's, it, I mean, obviously, there can't be a bright line, right? Like, this is all a grayscale. Well, so, that's, yeah. so if I take your entire story, let's say, uh, uh, I don't know, Harry Potter, and then do a search for a place of every character name with mm -hmm. some other character name I made, that's obviously a copy, even though they're separate characters. There's different character names, right? Right. Um, However, if I take the same character names and put them in another story, is that a copyright violation? I think a lot of courts would say that is, if you use the same exact characters with the same But if you're inspired by this universe of wizards yeah. and children... You know, people control what? fan fiction. Like, you, you can't make another Star Wars novel and, like, sell it with the same characters. Um, and there, so the, it's, it's weird. So, like, you can take the... But on the other hand, if you change both... Yeah, know. it's also a moving target in a way because, <laughs> it, it like... Uh, you know, if you go back yeah. 200 years, uh, copyright law in the U.S. didn't even cover translations into another language. Mm -hmm. Where it's it's that's you can pretty effectively say that that's a derivative. You know, that's it's based on yeah. the first thing. <laughs> right. But none of the words are in common. Right. You know, they've got a right. different word for everything over there. Uh, <laughs> and so, so like that used to not be covered, mm -hmm. and now it is. And and you still have that kind of change. I think a, a case that surprised a lot of people was someone wrote an unauthorized sequel to uh, to Catcher in the Rye, right? Like looking at Holden six years later, and that was blocked in a way that it seems like, well, it's not really he's not really copying anything, right? Right. He's inspired by. I mean, he was trying and he's to taking sell the it. canon of that was created by. Yeah, and it's not even that much canon. I mean, right. not that that should matter, <laughs> yeah. but it's like it's yeah. 180 pages. Like <laughs> sets up. He's a character basically who, who you know. Right. Right, and that, and, and so that one. to some extent gets to gets to this idea, which is another thing that I think confuses a lot of people, which is this the idea expression dichotomy, as they call it. Right. So. Um, 
people often think of copyright, and here's the sort of big misconception, is that it protects ideas, whereas you know, in reality, it's only supposed to protect the specific expression. Right. Um, but that line between idea and expression is can be pretty blurry, as it is in the in the Catcher in the Rye case. Yeah, and I but I think that like in that case, in the Catcher in the Rye case, that that feels like a, that feels like a fine use. And I think where where does that come into play in terms of you know like that case feels wrong, like feels like a fine use. And, you know, for me, like the Marvin Gaye case recently, that that felt the blurred lines. The, the blurred lines was it felt that they were fine, right? Like, and and how, like how does and I'm not sure like what the rest of society like I'm the, I'm I'm the least lawyery here I think, but like <laughs> how how does that feeling kind of catch up with the the law or yeah, it seems like it ought to, and that's that's one of the important yeah. uh, that's you know going back to my favorite misconception. I think that's one yeah. of the reasons why. Uh, why the flexibility of fair use is important because you do have cases where judges go like, yeah, they copied the whole thing, but like everyone knows this way is yeah. fine, and and you have like like the the very classic example of, you know, from a technical sense is is everything that search engines do, right? Because they have to copy everything in order to do what they do, um, and fair fair use analysis looks at that and goes, yeah, but they're obvious. It's so, it's so different, and this feels like everyone knows this is fine. Um, but in other countries that don't have fair use, like Australia is deciding whether or not they should have fair use. And, and one, of their, one of their reasons is that lawyers don't think it's legal to start a search engine in Australia because you can't, because they have a, a fixed list of exceptions and right. no exception is like copying every page on the internet <laughs> or every book in a library in order to, you know, to do analysis it, yeah. on it. And, and well, you know, it's interesting too. And, this is something that I've seen. I agree with you that the flexibility is important, but I also I see the the opposing argument often from people who agree with us on a lot of other things where they 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 dislike some elements of the flexibility, which and part of that is that you don't really know if something is fair use until it's been tried in court. Right. And well, and, that, and yeah, going to the blurred lines thing, I think right. a lot of the people who are looking at that goes, okay, this is actually a pretty black letter application of the law. There's no way that this is uh, infringement. And, and you know, we were seven and a half million dollars wrong or something. <laughs> Thankfully not personally. Yeah. Seven and a half million dollars wrong. No, I bet a lot of money on this case, Mike. Uh, <laughs> um, but, and, and there is an argument, and, and there's a, a copyright lawyer that I know who, who, pointed this out once, which he said he believes that with the four factors, you could uh, make a, a somewhat compelling case, at least to certain judges, that any copyright, any fair use case could go either way. And Pretty much. to some extent, that's a problem if you want, if you don't want things to be hung up by you know, fear of being sued or liability, right? Mm -hmm. And so I... I agree. I think the the idea that we should have bright lines in terms of fair use is really dangerous because you can't predict, um, you know, where that's going to make sense. But at the same time, um, I do worry about the fact that you know everyone has to go through these lawsuits before we figure out if that particular use is, and then you have to wait for the next case to come along. You know. Well, I think for like the for 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 a lot of common law, I mean, that's just the way it is, right? Like, the, it's very sure. hard to make bright line rules about a messy world. So, really, the only way to get out of the unpredictability about the way the law is going to fall out 
is to have a huge enumer uh, enumerated list of actual factual circumstances that you can rely on. There's nothing, nothing short of that. You can't get around that just because yeah. the world is messy. You can't enumerate. And, and, the, and there world. are, I mean, there are efforts like... Um, uh, oh gosh. I, I think we're actually going to mention the same. The American University yes, thing, that's exactly right? So the, the fair use best practices for different, mm -hmm. different fields. And yeah, that, that kind of makes it so that if you follow this... You can be. You can you, at you, least you, point to the fact. Right. That you, you can. This. You can have a defense that that is effectively saying, like, I'm following these best practices, and and in the case of like, at least in the case of documentary filmmakers mm -hmm. who can rely on this guide, they get insurance. So exactly. it, I mean, no one wants to go through a lawsuit, um, except for EFF. We have lawsuits. <laughs> uh, uh, nobody wants to go through a lawsuit, but um, but you know, if you don't have to pay for it, that that makes things a little better. Uh, um, and then the other thing is that. I think, obviously, I'm a copyright nerd. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's obvious at this point. Um, and I don't expect everyone to do this, but uh, the case law is not, it, it shouldn't be, it should be more accessible and it should be more, uh, it, I think people should be more familiar with it. Um, one thing that was, that was a, a surprising and refreshing development is that the Copyright Office just put out a, a really uh, impressive like index of, of cases about, uh, fair use, where they say where you can drill down by like which circuit you're looking for and what the subject matter was. So like photography cases in the Ninth Circuit, and yeah, you can look at that and you can say, well, I you know not a lawyer, this is not legal advice, but that looks kind of like what we're doing here, right? And I and though, that's they, though they, it's it's a semi, it's not a full collection, and it's only summaries. But yeah, well, right, and I think that. You know, but it's but it's a start, right? Yeah. It's it's at least a, a recognition, and and you know there is this, and this is something that's gotten you know me in the past too, where it's like people think that fair use is like, you know, like a small thing, right? As opposed to like this huge and really important thing that we sort of all rely on, and I think that's that's a big misconception as well in terms of you know how important it is, and for something that is so important, um, you would hope that more people would have a basic understanding of it. But, yeah. Well, but they they don't. <laughs> um, it's so yeah. complicated. I mean, you can't really even even lawyers can't get their heads around it, right? And until you enumerated the four elements, I couldn't remember all of them. I was like, <laughs> "What is the last one? I can't remember." I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it on the spot. So, <laughs> you I mean, see what I'm saying? It's 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 hard to remember it, you know. So. I mean, is is there an ideal scenario? Is like if Parker had. Your, his way with the that's world. The, that's, the, that's the next podcast. The, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's I, next week. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there is, and uh, yeah. and stay tuned for next week. <laughs> no, I, there is, and I and and it gets back to uh, yeah. some of the differences between copyright and patent. I think, um, and but yeah, but it's especially in a world where copyright covers as much as it does for as long as it does, right. and and this non-verbatim thing, it's something that affects all of us every single day and so it's it's uh, fair use is so critically important to every one of us uh, yeah. and so and you know it's I, I agree that, that this is something that we should know how it works yeah no I know I agree so um, I, I think that's a good sort of closing bit that leads into what we're going to be talking about next week which is sort of how do we deal with those misconceptions and and getting people to understand uh, copyright better and why it's important to them to actually understand it. Um, and so unless anyone has any final thoughts on this week's, we're going to close up here and...
people can say goodbye. You didn't all just walk out. <laughs> Adios. See you all right. Next th- week. Thanks. Thanks See for listening. Guys. We'll be back next week. Thanks. It's never the amateurs that reckon it's damaging us It's the major label saying it's fatal Like when Napster had to pack up with my Metallica The tables turn now, the labels churn out A new Jezebel internet televangelist And she's fit with a manuscript that was actually written by Mr. Michael Masnick